Heyo. 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 <laughs> we should have done that all at once. Yeah, right. Harmonize. Want to do it again? Let's Miss- try it. Heyo. 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 Terrible. That was terrible. I'll, I'll accept terrible it. Nice that. job, guys. Welcome yeah. to episode number fifty-five. Don't worry, I can slap some auto tune on there. There you go. <laughs> the vocoder, whatever it's called. I actually will just to see what it sounds like. <laughs> episode fifty-five, movies, movie podcast. What's going on? Hello. We're here with Ronald, John, myself. My name's Steve. With the double Finsky. Yeah. Fifty-five. Yeah, man. That's lucky number fifty-five, right? Is it? Lucky number 50. It's lucky for those of us out there actually listening to this episode, because right. you know what? You're lucky bitch. If, you do, if you're listening to this, what day did this come out on, John? December 21st, And what day is that, Ronald? Four days before Christmas. And when the Mayans are supposed to, they predicted that the world is going to end. Well, I guess if we uh, put a podcast out, maybe they were wrong. Hopefully. Hopefully. What if <laughs> what if somebody wait wait so, okay so this podcast comes out on the 21st right? Yep, yep. The world is ending, right. but someone sinks their iPhone before the world starts ending. Uh-huh. They leave their house with their iPhone, they look down, they see the new movie movie is on there. They say, "You know what? I'll check this one out." They start to play it. They say, "Those guys, they never spoil anything. I, there's no fear in listening to this podcast." <laughs> so they start playing it. They're watching the world end around them right now oh, while they're listening to us. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> so I just want to say, whoever you are, I'm really glad we could be here with you yeah. at this time. I'm glad that we could help Digitally you. Digitally holding your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not Davis. alone. Yeah. Except you, except really, you are alone. Yeah. Your legs sizzle down to nubs, and, and it gets to your torso. Is that, is that how it ends? <laughs> Jeez. Is that how it ends, Ronald? <laughs> like, ah! So this is the end of the world. Apparently, That's Ronald's, Ronald's vision of it. Ronald yeah. thinks it's going to happen via lava. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is going to happen from the ankle up. This yeah, is right. Be like slow sizzle. Yeah. You're standing still. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're 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 turning. They're like getting everything set up on their iPhone as <laughs> as the lava burns their body away. Yeah. What a distraction. Yeah, I know. What, How annoying. So on that note, we right. figured it might be appropriate to discuss. Some of our favorite end of the world films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna maybe go around the horn, throw a couple out there. By couple, mm-hmm. I mean three. <laughs> I should have said a triad of films each. Okay. Um, a few. A few. Yeah, thank you, John. Such a wordsmith. <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw my first one out just to kind of jump the gun in case somebody wants to steal it from me. Sure. Um, I mentioned it last episode in my remake argument. I'm gonna mention Twelve Monkeys. Um, oh. I would say some of my choices are not the uh, typical end of the world, Holy but I would shit. qualify I 12 Monkeys as the end of the world. You just shocked um, the hell out of me. I, wasn't I actually was thinking that. about this because it's like so many movies depict like an apocalyptic scenario, Yep. Mm-hmm. but you might not consider them to be movies about the end of the world. And the fact that, you know, sometimes you just can't change what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or maybe, maybe, I don't know. But uh, Terry Gilliam's 12 Monkeys, uh, a remake of a... I forget the original. It's a, it's a short French film. I actually watched it before doing this podcast crazy short film i have to find it maybe you can add it in later john what the name mm-hmm. of it is ah steve you know me i can't help but be a helper so i'm gonna help you the short film you're trying to think of is from 1962 it's highly influential it's french it's told entirely using still images and it is named la jete or the jetty or the pier I know it was on Hulu for a while. If it's not there anymore, Criterion sells a disc that collects it as well as other work by the director, Chris Marker, who's a pretty interesting figure himself. Um, actually, since he's French, I probably should pronounce it Chris Marker. 
You too can be an expert on subjects like this if you just pop on over to wikipedia.org. Check it out. You'll thank me later for that suggestion. Um, just a really kind of, I don't know, a really great film. Some of it was shot in Baltimore, which was kind of cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a really good idea in terms of, you know, a, a post-apocalyptic world where a virus basically takes out human population and trying to prevent that from happening by sending somebody back, but sending somebody back a little too far and, uh, you know, thinking that they're going to stop it, but then realizing maybe they were, maybe they were a part of it. Um, just mm-hmm. a great film. Uh, I wouldn't say number one on my list, but the first one I wanted to throw out just in case anybody wanted to steal it from me. So there <laughs> you go, guys. <laughs> what do you got, Ron? Mine is my number one. I'm just going to name my number one first. And that literally has it in the title. Literally. <laughs> Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, come on. Best action movie I've ever seen in my life. Um, just the whole idea of, you know, it ending the way it did and the way it was shown in this movie was just so amazing to me. It, it, it When I was a kid and I saw it, it, it blew my mind. And, and watching it as an adult, I feel the exact same way. It holds up uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. That's mine. One of mine. What about you, John? Um, the a movie that I want to mention is it's not even a movie I've seen <clears throat> that many times. Uh, in fact, I think I only saw it one time about twenty years ago. So it's it's a, it's it's more about the the certain things about this movie that stuck in my mind than any feeling that I really had that it was like a particularly great film. Um, mm-hmm. I looked it up online, and it you know it's got like it's in that kind of seven stars out of ten kind of zone with a lot of the online reviews. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people like but don't love this movie. But it's a movie from 1985 called The Quiet Earth. Never heard of it. I've um, definitely heard of it. It's a really simple story about, uh, you know, an incident that occurs where basically this guy is suddenly, as far as he can tell, the only man left on Earth, you know. Oh. Um, and the scene that really made me put it on my list was the scene that that really to me, sums up that feeling that you have or that thought that you have um, about being, you know, maybe one of the last people left on Earth, which is just what you would do, all the things you couldn't do now, but that you could do if you were alone. So, like, the guy just goes to the mall and, like, you know, he just runs around, kind of like what they do in Dawn of the Dead at the mall, except it's just one guy. And you really are getting that sense of both the kind of great loneliness of being the last person, but also the sort of weird weird uh, power trip almost of of being the last person. And it, and he goes through a few things in the story before he meets up with a couple of other survivors, and the story kind of gets more complicated from there. But definitely that movie, in those scenes where he's kind of exploring the world when he feels that he's the only person left, it, it, just, it, it just totally stuck with me. Yeah, so Quiet Earth from 1985. Check it out. Never heard of it. It's on my list. Cool, cool. Um, next film I'm going to throw out is 1968's Planet of the Apes. Okay. Um, I think, you know, not my time, obviously, but seeing it as a kid with my parents, I remember not having a clue what this movie was going to be about. I know in, in researching the film, it's kind of cool to find out, like, you know, the marketing and everything about the movie was never really presented as a, um, I guess end of the world scenario film and which is why it's probably one of the best twists at the end of a film or some might say it's probably one of the best endings in the film a twist ending in a film maybe maybe ever i don't know um charlton heston roddy mcdowell um you know i just i just remember seeing the film and and just the the last image of of them riding along the shoreline and seeing the statue of liberty and that aha moment you know Mm -hmm. it was just crazy to me to think that 
this place that he was the entire time was a post-apocalyptic earth or, right. you know, and it just, I just right. remember really being blown away by that. And, uh, you know, even after the four sequels, the remake, the reboot, everything, um, the original film, while not like an amazing, in my opinion, not like a great film, I think it's really good and I do really enjoy it. The original, mm-hmm. um, just the idea of how the world ends and what happens after the fact and the fact that, you know, the species that we come from ends up being the primary species again. It's just, it's kind of awesome to, to think about the cycle and, and, and a human that's been in space, you know, being reintroduced to it and trying to figure out where they are just to find out that, you know, they kind of missed the bus on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Just an awesome ending. And I just loved the experience when I was, you know, I saw it when I was a kid, but, you know, even as a teenager watching it again, just that the ending, that the last, the last scene of the film really, it's just, it's awesome. Cool. Um, mine is Mars Attacks, my second. <laughs> End of the world. Tim Burton, amazing. <clears throat> star-studded cast. So many people in it. Um, I guess if the world were to end, I would love for it to be a battle between <clears throat> aliens and us. I'm down. That sounds good to <laughs> and me. And us beating people up with uh, anything that's around us. So I, <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie. Mars Attacks. You just want to beat people up. Yeah, I just want to beat little aliens up. Use loud sound to blow their brains up. I'm going to go back to a well that not only did we talk about last week in our remake episode, but I referred to it earlier when I was talking about people hiding out in a mall in an apocalyptic <laughs> there you scenario. Go. It's Dawn of the Dead, the, the remake. And it's not even the main thrust of the movie. I would say that zombie movies in general, they present a lot of apocalyptic scenarios in the sense that you can't, you can't picture the world getting back to normal yep. after all this has happened. And I think that what the, the, the scene in particular that stuck with me as far as picturing the end of the world it's. Um, I suppose we're far enough away from the Dawn of the Dead remake that we can we can spoil it. The, the ending credits are basically just a quick succession of brutal scenes that show you that even the people, even the survivors that sort of made it to, you know, zombie movies always end with people getting on a boat or getting on a bus or getting on a hot air balloon or whatever it is, but they're just escaping. They're they're Mm -hmm. not putting an end to the threat. They're just saving their asses and usually going, holy shit, you know, usually ends in that kind of breathless way. Well, Dawn of the Dead has that that beat at the end where everybody makes it to the boat and then there's a quick little montage over the ending credits that basically shows you that nope nobody made it like all the characters that that survived that made it to the boat they're all dead within like a couple of days uh you know according to the what happens in the ending credits and i just thought that really that's awesome that left i remember leaving the theater with this it was fun and really creepy but also this this great it was a fun kind of bleak but it was definitely a very hopeless feeling at the end of that movie you know so dawn of the dead remake from what year did that come out 2008 um, 2004. 2004. I knew it was a, eight years ago. A multiple. There was four. eight in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, that's actually was on my short list as well. I, I was hoping somebody might mention it before my last pick just so I wouldn't have to use it up. But mm-hmm. I would say somebody <laughs> had to mention a zombie movie on the list somewhere when right. talking about the end of the world because I, I would agree with everything you just said. The last movie uh, that I have uh, on my list is uh, 2006's Children of Men. Oh, man. <laughs> God damn it. That's a really good one. Yeah. I never thought of that. Trying to think a little of something different you guys were going to pick, but I guess the reason I have this on my list, beyond being a film that I loved, um, beyond being an end-of-the-world scenario, just the w- filmmaking, some of the most amazing long shots I've seen in the past, you know, five... Yeah. Actually, that I've seen in my entire life. You know, just no cuts, you know, one long take. Um, scenes with Clive Owen, Julianne Moore. Um, amazing film. I'd recommend anybody go see it if you haven't seen it yet. 
But the idea that took that I took away from it that I, I that makes me want to include it on my list is that this is a <clears throat> scenario where um, the world is ending from our inability to stop it. You know, not not having to fight a force like an alien or a zombie or um, a virus. It's our lack of ability to procreate, you know, that's yeah. going to end existence. And the hope that comes up when they find a woman that is bearing child and, and what they fight to protect it. Um, the, the, the run of emotions that you go through in the film from the, from the two leads and the woman that, you know, that they're trying to protect, mm-hmm. um, how sacred it becomes, um, how protective they are of her. I don't know. Just, just, just the, the human element of that film is everything from beginning to end, whether it is what starts this life that we live or what could possibly end it by our lack of not being able to, you know, recreate. It's just an awesome movie. Um, I just love the idea uh, of, 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 uh, of, I guess what it's trying to say and, and what I took away from it, but it's really scary to say, you know, like of all these crazy ass scenarios that we always talk about with end of the world with the Mayan calendar that we, uh, or, or zombies or aliens or whatever the hell else it is, serial killer, whatever, uh, you know, that the one thing that could really hurt us is our inability to just, you know, have an, have offspring is just crazy and it's scary and it's, and it's yeah. in this movie presents a world in which it was possible. And, and, you know, maybe, it, maybe it would be the end of the world. It's one of but, my favorite movies. Of yeah. Children time. of children of men is an incredible film. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, like the scene I'm talking about, I forget how many minutes it actually is, but it's like one long take when he's trying to get her out. Oh man. It's just an incredible scene. The and, um, chase. Yeah. When, yes. Yeah. I think we're talking about the same the, ch- scene. the long chase. The, there was like a long chase scene. There were two really long scenes. Toward the, you're talking about the one towards the end? No, this was, this was probably oh, the like the right second the act. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's a great scene. But yeah, I don't, regardless, just Children of Men, that's my last pick. I, I don't know that I really ranked them three, two to one, but I mean, that's probably the one that hits the hardest chord with me just because of, um, you know, like I said, it's not a virus. It's not a, yeah. You know, it's not an outside element. It's, it's like really us that yeah. just can't yeah. save the world. And it's, that's crazy. That movie is, Sonically, one of the most amazing movies. No, it's incredibly well made, top to bottom. Absolutely layered sound. Like it's, it was the first movie that I had really paid attention to sonically how it was. Like I, I, my dad has surround sound, and he always encouraged (laughs) me to watch movies with him. Mm -hmm. First movie that I watched, where I was like, "What is going on?" Like some of the scenes, if you watch them, like uh, some of the danger that comes, you don't, you hear it way before it comes. You can Mm -hmm. hear like the cars coming close yeah. and things like that, that I had never, and even if you're watching it on a regular TV with no surround sound, you can hear it. Mm-hmm. And if the fact that that's possible through something that's just, you know, you're just watching on a normal TV is, is an achievement that I, I haven't seen in many movies, except for the one that I'm going to talk about. And what's scary about it also is that it's only like 15 years from now. Right. That movie takes yeah. place. Right. That's it's very crazy. Very That'd close. be like when I'm in my, when we are at Ronald and I, John, yourself, like, well, we would be grandparents. Like that would be the world that this happens, and that's that's crazy. Very possible. Yeah, very possible. I don't. Like, I mean, I, I saw that not. movie, and I didn't think this could never happen. I, oh, man, yeah. that's crazy. That's definitely very possible. That. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was, it had some of those marks of kind of a futuristic movie, but more so, you could just kind of see the way that we got there from here. You know, like yeah. the, the the vision that it has of the future was a believable one, the political vision of the future. I'd, yeah, that yeah. was a, that was a, I'd actually like to see that one again. I, I so you're know. next, right? Yeah. Um, mine, my third and final one is uh, a movie that is beautiful 
lots of beautiful CGI, which a lot of people, I, I that's a big complaint of mine. And the fact that this was done well, the fact that this was in a, a well-lit area and it looked nice, District 9. Yeah. District 9 is my, mm-hmm. it's a great end of the world movie because it, it, a lot of movies that use uh, aliens and st- things like that are very, um, they don't really have much of a message sometimes. And this one had, it, it was good. It had a lot of layers to it. Um, and it had to do with the end of the world. And it was it was done in a way that I, I hadn't seen. It felt very real and raw, despite the fact that there was a bunch of special effects in it. So. When I can feel for a character that doesn't really exist, I mean, like, physically, really, it's just a, you know, computer-generated character. You've done your job as a director, so. Mm -hmm. Cool movie. District 9. The last movie that I will mention as a good end-of-the-world film is um, another movie that kind of, and this is a, a satirical film, but it sort of posits the way that our, our, uh, our governments might, yeah, you know, due to misunderstanding and and calling each other's bluff and 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 grandstanding that you know I mean, that the world might end. That's definitely like a Cold War thought. Like, so this is a mm-hmm. it's a it's a movie about the nuclear scare uh, of the '60s, uh, but it's Doctor Strangelove, yeah. um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's you know I it's another movie I haven't seen a lot in recent years, but I, definitely during college this was one of my staples. I, um, you know I I'm a big Peter Sellers fan and I'm a big Kubrick fan, and where those two things meet, um, I think Peter Sellers is amazing in this film and he plays a, a you know multiple roles. One of the roles he doesn't play that he was originally scheduled to play, but I believe he broke his leg and therefore they brought in Slim Pickens to play Major Kong, uh, oh, yeah. the, the pilot of the B fifty two. That there's there's the scene there's no scene to me that signifies the end of the world more than a fucking cowboy riding an H bomb <laughs> out of the B fifty two as he drifts down through the clouds and all you can hear is him going wahoo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I feel like that movie works on a lot of different levels and it is dated. I mean, the idea of the kind of mutually assured destruction that everyone was afraid of in the in the Cold War era. I mean, obviously, we can't pretend those problems are behind us. So I mm-hmm. think there is still something that kind of lurks in the back of our minds. But at the time this movie was made, it was a very real threat. And so to make light of it at the time, I think was probably, uh, you know, a pretty ballsy move. Uh, what we have today, though, is just a really amazingly funny, smart uh, film, you know, can be controversial. I think it's one of those that gets handed down as a great film. And so a lot of times if people see it now and they don't really connect with the era that it's from, they may find it to be a little old fashioned. But mm-hmm. if you, uh, you know, if you want to if you want to pay attention and maybe learn a little bit about the era to understand what some of the references are connected to and stuff, it's I still think it's a really a really timely film, but cool. uh, definitely one of my one of my favorites. Doctor Strangelove. Doctor Strangelove. Right on. Mm. So that's our. So now that we've discussed the ones that we've. So if you survived. are that, per- if you are that person we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. you might be gone now. We might. Th- this just these might just be white earbuds just, just hanging like out. out out in the wilderness. Just our voices, our, our voices are emanating mm-hmm. little tinny little voices coming out of those white earbuds as a. As a lone dandelion cracks up through the pavement to say that life will carry on. There is hope. But right, but right. not like it was before. Very different. Evolved. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
That said, <laughs> now that we, now that we've talked about the ones that you know are our favorite depictions of the end of the world, whatever scenarios they are, with the coming of the end of the year and you know the holidays, now we've survived the end of the world. Mm. We're going on to the holidays. We but, didn't mention Wally, but the first the first thirty minutes of that film are a work of art too. But that's one thing I should. I right, very good. good. Throw that tag on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we the the time between surviving the end of the world and before we celebrate the joy of Christmas. We've kind of decided to take a moment and look back on the shit that pissed us off this year. Yes. Okay. And we're going to call this our Bah Humbug moments mm-hmm. of 2012. <laughs> um, again, we're going to go probably with like, I think, three each, just to kind of keep it brief, keep it yeah. directed. Um, probably a lot of different things, maybe specific films, topics, subject matters, whatever. Um, but, John, tell us the first thing that you'd like to bitch about in this Bah Humbug moment. The first thing that really comes to mind is one that I have complained about in previous podcasts, and based on knowing what's coming out next year, I'll, it looks like I have plenty of reasons to keep on complaining. Yes. It is terrible makeup. <laughs> in films that should know better, that should be able to hire a better lighting person or a better yeah. makeup person or a better prosthetic person or something. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it uh, recently, when, uh, you know, this year it had a trifecta of terrible makeup. <laughs> Guy Pierce in Prometheus. <laughs> oh yeah. No, well, I, well like I, I can't. Trip. I can't even say a trifecta because every character in in Cloud Atlas, every actor in that has at least seven terrible makeups. Um, and then uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's conf- confusing face in Looper. These, Clayface. Yeah. The, these you know these weren't enough to sync the movies that they were in, but they were yeah. enough to make me think. Why is, does this look so fake? Which mm. is enough to make me then think, why is this person wearing a fake nose at all? When when I'm fine with, you know, I'm fine with Joseph. I'm I, the suspension of disbelief required to say that Joseph Gordon-Levitt grows up to be Bruce Willis. I was fine with that. Okay. When you try to make him look so much like him, it's almost like a losing game. In that case, you know. Right. So that was a case of unnecessary makeup. Yeah. And before I stop bitching and let one of you guys uh, talk about one of your uh, one of your bah humbug moments, I will say that in in 2013 we have Sean Penn's horrible looking makeup in Gangster Squad. Yes. And then Harrison Ford with a big fake nose in the movie about Jackie Robinson. <laughs> and not only that, but Harrison Ford is doing a voice. Harrison Ford with a fake nose doing a voice looks to be one of the worst performances of 2013 before I've even seen a full trailer. Gangster Squad, you know what? Because of I think that nose, movie's called 42, by the way. Really? Yes. It makes it makes it reminds me of Al Pacino and Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah. He looks just like he looks just like or him. that flat-headed guy. I mean, you know. Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. And, and here's the the frustration. There is I don't doubt that Sean Penn might not. I mean, I don't doubt that he's giving a fun performance. That mm-hmm. might be a really fun role to watch him in. But I know that the whole time I'm going to be noticing that little point where the makeup meets the skin. Mm-hmm. You know, that little ridge. And I, I really I'll continue with my belief that it's it's the reason that makeup looks so bad to me this year is that the resolution has gotten to the point. Yeah. And maybe even with frame rate, it'll be even more so with the increased frame rate. Sure. It's supposed to be the next big thing. Uh, you know, I think that things that don't look exactly real, I think our former filming techniques were a lot kinder. Yeah. And also you might even say that filmic lighting was based around the idea of lighting these things so that they would look real. Yeah. And I think now maybe there's a certain loss of art or maybe we're just in an in-between phase where people don't really know how to light and shoot super high-res images uh, quite as much so it's yeah. some, something's got to give so either they're going to have to stop slapping all this latex on all these actors and just let them act or 
you know, they're going to have to start, start lighting it better. Or I tell you guys, I will see no more than 20 films next year. <laughs> you draw the line, John. <laughs> That's it. You've had it. Bah humbug, <laughs> bad makeup. <laughs> we'll ahead, tag Steve. them all with that. Yeah. So my, my first, my first uh, bah humbug moment of 2012 it's going to be the CGI baby from Twilight. That <laughs> <laughs> fucking baby. That's actually okay. my list CGI. Okay, so here we go. I know you're a little broader crit- critic of CGI, but um, apparently this film, directed by Bill Condon, the man uh, from Kinsey, Gods and Monsters, Dreamgirls, he wrote Chicago. He won a goddamn Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Um, on a budget of $120 million, this film was obviously made in a world Maybe in a world uh, that that children of men actually took place in, where there were no real babies to make this film with. Because what they did is they took Mackenzie Foy, who plays the young girl version of Renesme in Breaking Dawn Part Two. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I know her name, but they take her face and they CGI it onto a baby. They couldn't just film a baby and let that be the baby. You know, I'd believe it was a baby, just as you would have believed that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was Bruce Willis in a different yeah. time. Uh, no, they don't do that. Not only did they not do that, they take her face and then bring it up to a grown-up woman at the end of the film. Could just film a woman that looked like her. Bothers the hell out of me. $120 million budget. Right. Breaking Dawn Part 1, if I go back a film, made three quarters of a billion dollars. Okay, worldwide. Mm. Wow. Where could they not have found the time to say, let's spend a little more money finding a baby that maybe looks like her? Yeah, they could have Or, or maybe just making the CG look that much better. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my first moment. So, bah humbug. Bah humbug. <laughs> um, mine is Adam Sandler going to the well too much. The same what well fu- is that? What would that we speak of? The getting to keep making movies. The, well? <laughs> the having a job well. Yeah, the 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 same. The same it's like it's like this magnified version of billy madison that's gotten worse and worse and worse with a stronger boston accent yeah, yeah. so it, it, he's going well, to the well entirely too much jack and joe was a year before this year was that's my boy stop fucking doing it if you're gonna keep doing it you gotta change something about this format because people aren't people aren't Going for it as much, it, yeah. Especially now he's dragging Andy Samberg into it too. Yeah, oh, throwing dirt on his Sandberg. name. So that's that's my bar humbug number one. Screw you, guy. Screw you, guy. Screw you, guy. Screw you, guy. <laughs> Screw you, guy. All right. Oh, as so often for me, it comes down to other people and how they suck. Uh huh. And so for this bar humbug moment, I just want to talk about. How much the audiences in the movie theaters of America bothered me this year. Yeah. If they weren't talking, they were they were pulling up. I I saw a woman who had a, some kind of touchscreen device that had a larger, brighter screen than anything I've ever seen in my life, oh, and she was using it to text through a movie. You know, it's it's I, I see more day, like matinees during the day now. Mm-hmm. If you go see a movie, if you go see like if oh the eleven thirty a.m. showing, I'll go check out that movie. Prepare to be in there with like fifty people, eighty or above, snoring, <laughs> snoring. When I went to go see Looper, there was not one, not two, but three different people that were snoring throughout the movie. And obviously, it's not a particularly boring movie. These right. people yeah. are just Pretty just, just can't make it through. A it is a quiet place to take a nap. Yeah, it is a really nice, nice air right. conditioned place. 
Um, if it wasn't the snoring uh, of, of those geriatric types at the matinees, it was going to a screening with my buddy Steve here and having a jackass talk through the whole movie. <laughs> Damn it. Um, and if it wasn't that, it was uh, when I went to go see the, the Hobbit screening and there was a long line and there was some debate about whether we were all going to get in because it was a you know press screening, an advanced screening. Um, and the women behind me... We're, we're going ahead and getting mad about the fact that they weren't let in. When they, they ended up getting let in, you know, five minutes or ten, 15 minutes after they they decided they were going to burn the place down if they didn't get right. let in. So I got to hear these ladies not just being mad about waiting in a line, but plotting who they were going to complain to and what kind of a new asshole they were going to tear them and talking yeah, about how that yes. that's not going to work and that's not fair and they should have told us if they didn't have enough tickets and what, blah, blah, blah. It actually says it. It says right on there, first come, first serve. And I almost turned around and said, well, ma'am, actually, but I I had the presence of mind to say, why do you, you don't want to get into it with these You would have been to the asshole. You probably wouldn't have joined us for this episode. You'd probably be in the hospital. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where do you get off, Tilly? Man beaten to near death at Hobbit screening. Yeah, so I just know. I just think, yeah, I want to say if there's something that got up my ass this year, Mm -hmm. it was dealing with other people. Bah humbug, other people. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to thank you for the the reference to that asshole that was at our sinister screening. Yeah. I'd like to give him a bah humbug, specifically him, not just the rest of the people in the world that I hate to see movies with, like everyone John said. Mm -hmm. But this asshole... I have decided to name him, okay? I'm thinking of characters that I absolutely hate in film. There's so many, but the one that stood out to me that I could probably draw the closest parallel from entitlement, power, Napoleon complex, whatever you want to call it, was Percy Whitmore from The Green Mile. So I will forever call this motherfucker Percy, and I hate you, and... I hope you never come to a screening again that myself, John, Ronald, anybody I care about is attending. Um, so, yeah. Bah humbug Percy. you, Percy. Next time you see him, you should definitely call I'm him I'm calling Percy. him Percy. That's I don't care. Name. Ronald, your turn. Um, my second is unnecessarily bad sequels that came out in 2013, 2012. Uh, Paranormal 3. Mm-hmm. Four. Uh, it's 4. Oh, yeah. Four. Paranormal 3, part 4. Uh, Underworld. <laughs> Awakening didn't that come out this year? I think so. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Taken two. Fuck that movie. Step up revolution. I don't know why I even included that. Fuck Just because it's a sequel. Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, Ghost Riders. <laughs> Wait a second. Don't Wait do this. Second. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Fuck. I don't even want to hear you say what you want to bite my tongue. Roman Polanski made a sequel to the Ewan McGregor thriller, Ghost Rider. <laughs> If you have never heard me address this movie, is what he's holding this talk about is I thought this movie was going to be half decent. It was on like his anticipated list. It was- <laughs> well, wasn't Ghost Rider two directed by the guys who did one of the Crank, crank yes, films? Yes, Crank, which was great. I, yeah, I knew a few people that were hoping they would do something yeah. cool with it. I don't think anybody did was expecting it to be cool good, but they were kind of hoping. Yeah, and <laughs> didn't work. It was fucking terrible. It was awful. And the last one, I didn't see it, but I know it's probably shitty. Uh, Born Legacy. I said it. Born Legacy. So, I hate the Born movies anyway. I mean, you talk about a waste of film. Wow, disagree. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's, Mm-mm. it's the chlamydia of movies. It's the... Uh, <laughs> it is, man. Okay. Catchy, and once it gets you, it sticks with you. <laughs> That's what I agree. Right, it's fucking terrible. 
Fuck that movie. <laughs> it's easy to get. <laughs> easy. And you'll never forget it. <laughs> you'll never forget it. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Plus, like the Bourne movies, it has kind of a flowery name. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that they're supposed to be together in the next one? Jeremy Renner and... um. Matt Damon. I heard that Matt, Matt Damon, Damon has since, like, I heard that he didn't say anything, uh, like, he didn't make any statements when they were getting ready to make this. Uh-huh. One. But he's come out recently saying that basically he thinks that they're diluting the franchise right. and he doesn't know that he would want to make another Does, one. Doesn't he seem like he wouldn't respect Jeremy Renner on a professional level? I feel like <laughs> Matt Damon would probably wish him the best, but would feel like if this movie came out and was kind of a, an eh. So, like, why would he want? You know what I mean? What What's in it for Matt Damon at this point right, to sure, go back yeah. to do another Bourne movie? Yeah, especially if they're not if they're not maybe. even saving it for him. I guess what I'm saying is, is it almost seemed a little bit like, oh, that's where you're going to be. Well, go and have your Jeremy Renner. I'll go do something else. I'll this, go be Matt Damon somewhere else. This you know? doesn't seem like the type of movie that somebody would say. Oh, and Matt Damon is in the fourth one. Holy shit! Yeah. They go, oh, Matt Damon's in the fourth one. Holy shit! <laughs> Except he's not in the fourth one, right? So it's yeah. I, I don't know. Well, my last bah humbug of the year is it's kind of a, got a broad application, but it's a very specific. There's a specific example of a broad problem. The broad problem is bad scripts, movies shooting that don't really have a script together. The specific script that gave me pain this year was Prometheus. Oh, man. A movie that was many, many parts sheer brilliance mm. and many, many parts like the height of effects, the height of set building, the height of design. Everything about this movie, I mean, Ridley Scott is such a, a great visual stylist. Everything about this movie was at such a high level of excellence. Mm-hmm. And then even the story's not bad. I mean, with a with a little bit tighter script, that movie really would have been as good as as I think everyone was kind of hoping for it to be. Yeah. As it is, my problem is I still love it. Yeah. However, uh, you know, the problems just multiply. I mean, like, let's start with a couple little things. I won't, I won't, I won't rattle them all off, but let's start with my favorite. The geologist who in one scene brags about the mapping technology that he brought with him that he, he seemed to either invent <laughs> or develop. Or yeah. something, but he's bragging about the technology. We see how well it works. This guy makes a makes it so that everyone on the team has a three dimensional map on their wristwatch that they yeah. can look at of the structure that they're in. This guy gets lost on the way back to the ship. That was very strange. There's a biologist in this movie. Uh, he goes on a mission to another planet. He becomes really upset when he finds out he might encounter alien life. <laughs> <laughs> He becomes afraid. He wants to run back to the ship. Luckily, he goes with a geologist, so they, they, they won't get lost. There'll be no problem. He's got the map. Yeah, he's got the map. He's got the mapping technology. Then later, the same terrified biologist who was so afraid at the notion of an alien creature that right. he didn't want to see it, when he sees a disgusting phallic space worm thing open up its disgusting little head, what does he do? Does he run in terror? No. No, he he says, you're beautiful. And he reaches his hand out like an inconsistently written fucking idiot. And it's a shame, too, because in the case of both of those characters, the actors that were playing them weren't particularly bad. It really was nothing but the writing that that held that movie back. There was another thing that was weird to me. Why was the captain so tickled by the idea that they got stuck in that cave? Why was that so funny to him? He's just like, oh, you're just going to have to stay the night and die. Well, they were the sitting fuck there. Is that? I didn't understand that. Why was he so tickled by that? 
That's a good question. He didn't like it. That was like no effort. It to... is true that like in our, we're watching it with the perspective of people that know, okay, these characters are probably thinking they'll be fine. But if you really were in that situation, right. you'd be thinking, shit, we're on an alien they, world and they're never trapped. been there before ever, yeah. ever, ever. And point. he's just very, very like tickled by the idea of them being trapped in that cave for the night. Yeah. And not knowing anything about what was in that that area. So that was very weird to me. So Yeah, it was full of stuff like that. But I mean yeah. that that that's that's just like sloppy writing. Yeah. There's stuff that's sloppy, there's stuff that's like downright offensive and self contradictory in that script. Um, but, still a great movie, though. Yeah, I know, and it's, I think that it's a. It's. A, I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about our favorite movies of the year before too long. I'm. I, the, you know, you will know that I'm struggling with that one because so mm. many things about that movie were made it one of my favorite movies of the year. But the writing, it was just so hard to to get past it. So to to John Spates and Damon Damon Lindelof, co-writers of Prometheus. I say bah humbug. <laughs> My final Bah Humbug moment of 2012, <clears throat> again, a broad idea, two specific films, is the idea of uh, films being delayed in their release schedule. Oh, um, man. Two films I would reference. You're still sad about G.I. Joe Retaliation, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Damn it. Channing Tate on The Rock, Bruce Willis. What I mean, the action movie that Ronald's been missing for so long. There Hot you go. Hot ticket. Hot um, ticket. Uh, no, but The Great Gatsby and oh, Gangster, Gangster oh. Squad. Um, two different reasons, um, I guess both acceptable in many circles, but I guess the big thing with Gatsby, um, a big film, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, Carey Mulligan, Joel, I mean, just all these people that I love, Boz Lerman directing it, obviously the trailer that came out, scale looks epic, looks beautiful, um, it was supposed to come out now, yeah. you know, Oscar mm-hmm. quality film it looked to be, you know? Well, that and, was the, when the trailer came out, everyone was saying, this could be best picture, absolutely. Just, just because it's Baz Luhrmann, and it's because it's you know all those actors, absolutely. And and I mean, it looks like it had the makings of, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's pushed back to, I guess, early summer 2013. You know, they actually have the date set for May 10th to kick off the summer blockbuster season. You know, Warner Brothers' word is that it tests it so well, it seems like the kind of movie that would do better in summer, and blah 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 blah. You know, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's going to be an amazing film. Usually that means there's a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and there's talks of reshooting and needing more mm. money, running over budget. Warner Brothers not giving him money. 3D problems because the film is being shot in 3D. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I would need the great Gatsby in 3D, but because right. um, it's Buzz Lerman. I mean, that's yeah, one I mean, thing that's that, really yeah. it, I guess. But um, the other thing is that, you know, because you know, Moulin Rouge would have been in. Th- I mean, just with amazing with his style. But you know what I'm saying? He, you know, Had he would have been? shot that yeah. in, sure. in 3D because that's kind of his that style. I might have been OK. With. I, you know, maybe I would have seen them be more relevant. No, I but, agree. I don't think I, it seems strange to me. That um, but the other thing is, uh, I, I wonder and I think, you know, I always kind of reference like business ideas and business decisions in Hollywood is that, you know, with we talked about The Hobbit on the last episode and I would almost be concerned if, if there was any concern on Warner Brothers' part that in terms of it's, it costs a lot of money to push films for Oscar awards or the award seasons or campaigns. You know, and when they have, if they have a, The Hobbit coming out and Gatsby, is there was there a moment where they were like, let's put it all on The Hobbit, you know, and see what happens? And I mean, from what I've heard, you said, everyone said, it, there's no way in hell there's anything happening. Maybe some of the technical categories, whatever. I would say even the technical categories seem in doubt because yeah. they 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 because they did so much CGI in the Hobbit. I think the quality control went down. So yeah, I would say if that was their gamble, they they may have they may have picked the wrong 
movie. Yeah, because if it bombs, not bomb. I mean, financially, it'll make a lot of money. But in terms of awards acknowledgement or consideration, if it bombs, Warner Brothers has nothing this year. Right. You know, maybe The Dark Knight Rises, if anything were to happen with that. But that, that's the only other film. Yeah. So Gatsby was like a hope for them. And the fact that it gets pushed back, you hear all these things about reshoots and budgets and all this shit like it, it makes me worry that they messed this film up and, and that scares mm-hmm. me because i really like Boslerman visually i think he's very stunning and i like watching his movies that bothers me the other film gangster squad different conversation um and i may sound like an asshole when i say this but it really bothered me that the movie was pushed back because of the colorado shooting yeah. you know when dark knight rises came out <laughs> um uh you know i understand maybe pulling the scene obviously for those that maybe don't know about the Gangster Squad piece, you know there was a big scene in the original trailer where there was a shootout in 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 the in the movie theater that stood to be one of the climax scenes in the film at um it's called Grauman Grauman's Chinese Theaters where it takes place or where it was to take take place in the film that was decided to be pulled from the trailers and then later released was actually going to be pulled from the film as well and reshot and changed and and that's been happening since then it comes out in January now. Um, usually not the best place for a film to come out in, in that part of the year. Um, makes me worried that maybe the film maybe either wasn't good to begin with, which I highly doubt. Ruben Fleischer's involved. Mm. Guy made Zombieland. Um, <clears throat> amazing cast, even with Sean Penn's bad makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it, it gets into a conversation where it really bothers me that a movie, a piece of art, a piece of creativity was changed to be sensitive to something horrible that happened. And I understand you know, that it, it, on a certain scale, like pull the trailer, everyone's going to see any other movie out there, you know, it's going to be attached to a movie and they may see that image and it may offend them or upset them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going into a film and you're paying a ticket to see Gangster Squad, a gangster movie about, you know, there's guns, there's violence, there's all kinds of stuff. Right. It's there, There's a chance something like that might happen. I think there's a sense, a sense of censorship that comes in and it really bothers me. Um, that a movie might suffer um, because of it. I mean, they reshot the scene. I think it's like a street shootout now. So every street shootout that's ever happened, you know, is uh, people that were victims of that or families that were victims of that. Like, is that going to offend them? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really bothers me um, that, that 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 happens. Like, I think, you, like you said, pulling the trailer for a few weeks would have made a lot of sense. Sure. Even pushing it back a week or two, if it was right about to come out or something, I could see that. But yeah, to take this movie that seemed like they had a lot of faith in it and then almost seemed like they're kind of ashamed of it, yeah. it is, it's very strange. It's, yeah, and it was I'm, right when the film was ramping up. It was in the middle of the summer. Yeah. You know, How far do you take it? I mean, do you not make movies with car accidents and, and yeah. drug abuse and things like that? I mean, you can just accept that violence exists and that this was a person that, Made a horrible decision and, and, and is a monster of sorts, and that's that's yeah. what that is. Mm-hmm. So, bah humbug, uh, to uh, to the studio <laughs> for being uh, whatever I guess overprotective or too sensitive or hyper. I don't know. Especially, Let me see the damn scene. Yeah, <laughs> give yeah. it to me as a deleted scene. Right, it's something. like yeah, bah humbug to this phenomenon of like thinking that you can you can avoid that if you're going to try to avoid defending everybody that what you do is start censoring absolutely that's it thank you that's weird um mine is now offend us ronald um give me a reason reason to think that i should censor this podcast um so mine has to do with an individual an individual that came into the movie making industry with an extraordinary film 500 days of summer he thought okay great movie then he says, I want to make an action film. 
As a matter of fact, I want to make an action film about a well-known character that we have come to love, Spider-Man. And you fucking ruined it, you piece of shit. Mark Webb, give it up. You are a turd. I love I love 500 Days of Summer, but you're a turd, man. You are a piece of shit. If you if you make another one of these, I I promise you that I will throw a pie in your face like that man did to Bill Gates a couple years ago as he was talking. I will throw a pie at you. I will go to the premiere and I will give you a piss-filled pie. You're gonna think it's lemon meringue. A pie of piss. <laughs> it's a pie of piss. <laughs> you are a piece of trash. You piece of trash. Well, if your piss comes out like meringue, you've got problems. <laughs> right. There's probably or a, or probably a doctor visit in your future. Some really good opportunity. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> That's true. He, he Let's be like, optimistic here. You know, we've all heard of the goose. silver lining of this. Right. We've all heard of the, the goose who laid the golden eggs. This is the guy who pees meringue. Pees <laughs> meringue. That would hurt. That would really hurt. But yeah, Mark Webb, man. <laughs> you are a turd. That's the culmination of your Baja You book. are a turd, man. I mean, and I, I love that movie, 500 Days of Summer, but... Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Spider-Man, what did you I didn't, do? I didn't, I didn't hate The Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't see it. Was it hateable or just... I don't know. Or? Like, obviously, Ronald hated... I mean, this it, is like Ronald's moment of 2012 right now, so he hated it. I mean, it looked good. It had some cool parts, but what they essentially did was they repackaged the first movie. Oh, yeah. It's the... Yeah, which which was a bad move. And, it's and the origin story problem. What they did too was they had the the guy speaking to himself the same way that it happened in the the first movie. Oh, yeah, you know? like Green, you know, he was he was speaking to himself. He's like, I destroy the world, and the same exact thing happened in the Amazing Spider Man. It was off putting that it was done almost exactly the same way in that. Book. But but no Bruce Campbell cameo this time. No, nah, I wish yeah. I wish. Um, Stinkeroony. You looking forward to Jamie Foxx as Electro in the sequel? Man, if if it was if it were done are. by a legitimate, no, I'm not whole. Whoa. Let me go back before I say something really crazy. If I felt like it, the movie would be a legitimate like comic book movie that I would enjoy, maybe he'd be okay. But it, this seems like a, a parody of a movie now that he's yeah, it's him combined with that sort of tone to the movie, right? Yeah, I don't know. That seems really bad. Recipe for disaster. He's capable of really good subtle work, but you never know if he's doing this kind of movie. If it's if after he did SNL this past Saturday, man, I've lost all faith in him as a person. <laughs> well, I've heard he underplays in Django, like that. He actually that's is what good. I, that's, that's what, what I'm looking heard. forward to, really and good. that's that's because Quentin Tarantino wouldn't allow. He would not allow someone to do that. He wouldn't allow somebody to shit, shitty up his old movie. He'd be like, hey. The only actor who's going to stink up a Quentin Tarantino movie is Quentin Tarantino. Right, yeah, really. right. right. He, nobody's going to tell him, hey, you were awful. And what's right. the name of the one where his penis fell off? Um, Planet Terror? Planet Terror. He's bad in that. Grindhouse and Grindhouse. I was like, whoa, whoa, that's rough. He's not good in this. Yeah. Bah humbug. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. I've been waiting Mark for it. Mark you passed it. All very negative moments of 2012. I know. Uh, we, got all, we got all the ugliness out. I, know, I feel I feel a little better, though, that I've yeah. been able to talk it out. It's like popping a zit. Yeah, yeah. And just <laughs> shot it all over the place. Yeah. You know, the zit stuff. The zit. <laughs> um, so hopefully the better days in 2013. I don't know. We, we shall see. I, I, I am unfortunately... 
pretty sure a lot of the same things we just talked about are going to find their ugly ass head face whatever <laughs> all their yeah, ugly body parts in, ugly in, in the 2013 <laughs> but you know what we'll be there to fight them off with a stick we yeah, will. Of, of epic proportions <laughs> and we will complain yeah and i'm fine with that i mean that just comes with the territory sometimes our complaints are all we have guys yeah this is true especially around the holidays <laughs> Bah humbug. Bah humbug. Bah humbug. Sound like I need you to say it yeah. one more time. Right there, Mark Webb. Wow, you really took it out of there. That was weird, man. You didn't. You liked it. I can't believe no, you liked I, it. I, I did like it. I didn't love it. But, you know, whatever. I mean, that's just me. That's, I, I see why you didn't like it. I'd say that, you know. I'm glad. Horrible villain. I'd say the villain was horrible. Terrible. Terrible. Even. Yeah, yeah it was I agree. Bad. Yeah. I liked Andrew Garfield and I liked Emma Stone. I thought they were great I, together. Yeah. If it wasn't a turn of a script. Yeah. Well, there goes John's script. Yeah. But man, it all comes together. Come it all comes circle. together. Full circle. Full circle. Eh? All right, guys. Episode 55. That's a wrap. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, MovieSchmovie.net, Facebook.com slash MovieSchmovie, MovieSchmovie at gmail.com. And as always, hit up the iTunes. Star it, rate it, subscribe to it, share it. You can literally right-click on the subscribe button if you don't want to subscribe and share it on facebook or twitter right in itunes mm-hmm. right in the goddamn application right so there. just do that you know just find it i mean you've already listened to this episode yes so while you're there listening just do it for us please so that you don't become a part of next year's bah humbug yes it's never too early to start planning okay <laughs> right and i'm going to be ahead of the curve next year and if we are just tinny voices coming out of white earbuds that are laying on the sidewalk next to that little dandelion that is the one symbol of life continuing that we have in our direct vicinity, it was a nice run world. <laughs> right. I feel like we we had some laughs, you know? We had some laughs. We had some tears. It was a good world. Yeah, world. It's nice knowing. You were good. Nice I, I enjoyed society and civilization and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the luxuries that were afforded me. And, you know. You let... And it, <laughs> what? I think I've lived my life. I'm done. As always. Finn. And on this last. And, and for the very last time. <laughs> you've made our world. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye.